Hello and welcome to Castable. This is the podcast which brings on brilliant guests to pitch their dream music festival. My name is Matt Hoss and I'm the host and I'm here to guide you around their festival. Today's guest is a world-renowned stand-up comedian, author, playwright and according to the New York Times he is the funniest man in India. You may have heard his dulcet tones from co-hosting The Bugle or from QI or BC2's uh, Asian stand-up or The News Quiz. So please welcome on to today's show, it's Anavab Pal. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hi. I'm really well, thanks. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm really, you know, uh, happy to be in a, a music festival. I know that I'm I'm in the UK, and and I shouldn't say I'm happy about anything because happiness <laughs> is not a natural state, which is why I'm so comfortable here yeah. in this country because you know there's no joy anywhere. So I like that. So I shouldn't say I'm happy to be this festival uh, to, on this podcast. I should just say that I'm reasonably pleased. To, <laughs> You know what, um, just to kind of break the fourth wall a little bit, we're, we are recording this on the Jubilee weekend in the UK, and uh, yeah. and I would say I'm not particularly the most proud to be British in the world, but that makes me proud. That's not the most pr- like patriotic I've ever been for my country. People being miserable, welcome to Britain. <laughs> I love it, I love it. And it's, you know, I'm a bit of a pessimist, but, but you guys take pessimism to a Shakespearean level, you know, and I feel like I come here and I have so much to aspire to, you know, I, yeah, <laughs> like uh, I would love to see that vision board. Like, right, I must be even more miserable. How do I do that? You know, like, do I stub my toe every day? Do I get rail replacement services every day? What do I need to do be, to be more miserable? Come on. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, you know, it's a because everyone I speak to, all my friends, they're all like, oh, it's complete shit. Everything's just shit. And and it's it's quite pretty actually. It's not that bad. And. I find myself on the other end of the spectrum. I find myself cheering up people. You know? <laughs> oh, oh. And, yeah. and that's not even my natural state, you know? I, I want to be miserable, but then they're at another level. So I'm just, I'm like, okay. Is it, yeah, like, you just, you can't compete, you know? Like, if we should have an Olympic, uh, like, team of just miserable bastards, and it's just Kevin from the pub, who's, uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, just t- totally miserable all the time. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, but, uh, yeah, but to be fair, like, uh, I kind of like the idea that, uh, you're trying to com- <laughs> compete with, uh, like it cheers you up in a certain fact. Cause like, do you, it happens with music as well. Like, do you ever like listen to a band that you really like? It's like, Oh yeah, I'm into this. Then someone you don't like that much also is into that band. And it's like, Oh, I can't like this band anymore. Cause of that knobhead. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. So I, I, you know, I, I grew up um, in India in the 1980s where for whatever reason, it was a handful of um, British bands that kind of ruled our psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't under- explain why. Like, I can't explain why in the middle of India in the 1980s, Pink Floyd was so big, Yeah. Um, you know, and I guess they were big all around the world. But, you know, I remember being thrown out of a social event for saying, and I was, I was, how, I may have been 14 or 15, and I, I don't think we even called them social events when I was 14 or 15. Yeah. I call them now in my mid 40s. I call them that. And uh, basically, uh, I said, just because I was trying to be clever and fitting in to this party where clearly, like, I, w- I wanted to be accepted by older boys. Um, and yeah. I just said, oh, Pink Floyd, they take too long to start a song. Um, <laughs> and I was told to leave the social event. <laughs> Yeah, and you know it's a bit it's a bit different than sort of hating, um, you know, hating another friend who likes music or whatever, and saying, "Oh, I can't listen to this band anymore." Yeah. But for the longest time, 
I've always loved Pink Floyd. So the, for the longest time, every time I would think of, I would listen to Pink Floyd, I would think of being thrown out of that party. <laughs> oh no, that's so, yeah. I, I've never heard someone being thrown out of a party for not liking a certain band or making a comment because I would never be at any, well, I was never at any parties anyway, but if I, if, I, <laughs> that, if that was the case, I would be even less, I would be minus parties at that point. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. And and you would you would think, first of all, it's Pink Floyd. So if this is a social gathering, it would be accepting because I would imagine that it'd be sort of the misfits of the day coming together. Mm-hmm. And clearly, they pretended to be sort of an intellectual group, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought, oh, this is an intellectual group that listens to music and Pink Floyd. And I thought, and there was a little bit older. So I thought, oh, you know, I'd want to be friends with these people. Yeah. And I thought my in would be a joke. Um, <laughs> Because they would be warm and accepting enough if they loved the band to accept yeah. a joke about the band. Um, and that just got me thrown out. And oh, no. I'm surprised I still do comedy. You know, I'm surprised <laughs> that that didn't scar me for life to say, don't ever use comedy in life. I'd love to see your Pink Floyd routine these days. Yeah, you know I mean, you get, just get chucked <laughs> out of every gig that you do. Like the comedy, the comedy saw, get out of town. Come on. Yeah, not welcome here. Thank you very much. Every single person would throw it. Also because the band, I assume, is now maybe listened to by people our age group. You know, I'm 45. Mm-hmm. I would think, yeah. you know, I mean, I my, I can't think of my cousin, uh, you know, who's 25, stopping listening to Lizzo or whatever they listen to <laughs> and picking up Pink Floyd. I, yeah. I, I don't know. So, yeah. So I think that if I said dumb things like that now, mm-hmm. um, I'd get, yeah, I'd continue to get thrown out of different places. Well, to be fair, I would say that um, I, I actually think that that idea of like, um, if you like a band, you can take a joke with them. And I think that is what demarks a true fan. Do you know what I mean? Because like, I'm a fan of Metallica. Uh, okay. However, Metallica have a lot of their flaws and faults galore. They they have a lot, which I, there's some music I really don't like. And uh, But when I was a teenager, I think that you can't accept any criticism of that because they're like... Like, even if you, deep down, you do know of that criticism, you're like, no, I just will deny its existence, and uh, it, they are perfect for me. And if you insult them, I'm going to throw you out my party. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's the kind <laughs> yeah. of vibe. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I've had an incident with Metallica because I... I... <laughs> <laughs> you got thrown we... out their gig for uh, yeah, talking I about got... Pink Floyd. I... <laughs> yeah, I keep getting thrown out for mentioning the wrong band in the wrong yeah. place. Yeah. <laughs> So my closest friend, who's 62 years old, loves Metallica, has always loved Metallica, for whatever reason, again, inexplicably, and, you know, I suppose you may have this with other international guests on your podcast, Mm -hmm. I cannot understand why, through a particular phase in India, I want to say from 1989 to 1997, the first time we got cable television, Metallica was very popular. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, a range of bands, and I'll come to the others as well. But Metallica, for some reason, captured the public imagination. Why a band from the United States singing about very specific things of their part of the United States were big in Mumbai and Calcutta and Delhi? I do not know (laughs) among young people. Maybe they found some solace in them, just like, you know, Eastern Europeans, you know, love Mm -hmm. uh, rock music. Maybe that's what happened. But Metallica, you know, captured the imagination of a lot of people. For me, you know, it was I, I didn't understand heavy metal, so mm-hmm. I found it a bit loud. Yeah. And my yeah. disagreement with my friend was this. I said, you know, um, I found, you know, I find Metallica very loud. 
And then he got very offended because he said, oh, you're just not knowledgeable enough to understand, you know, that nothing else matters or whatever. It's, it's not a song. Of, it's not the noise, but there's a lot of meaning and it's very complex music. You're not getting it. Um, so basically, he suggested that I was thick, which I am. Um, <laughs> Oh, was, for not understanding Metallica. I felt so bad for laughing when you said that. You said I'm thick, which I am. And <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I felt I, so I sorry am. for you then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I probably still don't understand very much about the world. But that particular day, I was like, oh my god. When someone puts it like that, right? Like, um, and he was like, you know, they're they're doing really complex things with music, and and they've all studied music, and one of them studied opera. And then I started feeling bad because. It felt like I was illiterate, you know, like, like just viscerally saying they're too loud for me. Mm -hmm. Just made me sound dumb. Well, what I hope to do with this podcast is that because I think people always have that kind of apprehension towards music. They don't want to give an opinion about something because they feel like they are um, they don't. Uh, have that entitlement to talk about that opinion because they're not smart enough or don't know music theory and i don't know music theory um and i do know a lot about music i've been to lots of festivals but i'm i'm not a rich pedigree of like uh of, of a music journalist or anything like that i do know a lot about music but i don't the whole point of this podcast is to kind of break down that barrier to be like anyone and everyone should talk about music that they like they don't have to have a, a complex or nuanced understanding of it that's not the point music is meant to be enjoyed in any kind of particular way or music is there to be turned down if it is too loud do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah you know i mean, I mean like, and i think it's it's exactly it's when it was advertised for the first time i think I was 15 or 16 and said, listen to this thrash metal band <laughs> i think and there were some others that were mentioned megadeth slayer yeah Anthrax. Yeah. And I think at the time I was like, I don't like these words with music. <laughs> you know, why should the word thrash be associated with music? And then my friend just shouted at me, said, You don't know James Hatfield is this brilliant man and Lars Ulrich is this genius and mm -hmm. you don't understand what they're doing and see this documentary and all of that. And then I was like, My God, it's like, you know, I'd never heard of Charles Dickens or something. You know, it's like Who's that? I felt <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he's a he's a very famous Indian novelist. You may not have heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he hasn't made it here as yet, but yeah, he's, I, he writes about poor children. You may not have heard of him. Uh, I, I look forward to seeing that. Yeah, yeah. One of his books got made into Slumdog Millionaire, but <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not. It's not big here in the UK. He's, yeah. he's trying to make it. Um, but, <laughs> I'm going to support a, a brand new uh, emerging artist. Uh, I can't, I can't wait for that. Up and coming, up and coming. He's, he's got a cool hipster beard. He's a lovely guy. He's a, <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy right yeah. it's really short books yeah. so it's like that it's um i remember he, he told me to watch a documentary in 2004 called metallica some kind of monster mm -hmm. um yeah and it was basically how they had a lot of trouble making their eighth album and the thing is i shouldn't maybe say this on a music podcast but i had just watched this is spinal tap <laughs> And, you know, as a, yeah. Yeah, I just, I yeah. after that, I just couldn't take Metallica seriously. Um, or, or, I mean, the music was great, but I couldn't take like any of those Bon Jovi. I just couldn't take them seriously because I'd just seen that film. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, where, you know, I guess 
I would imagine on your podcast, most people would have heard yeah. uh, you watched This Is Final Tap. So it, yeah, it's yeah, I think it's like eighty percent of my personality at this point. Uh, but like, <laughs> but yeah, but it's true. Like especially with, I would say that there's a there's a slight um. I don't know. There's uh, when, when you see bands like that, when when they are trying to be like really serious, really thoughtful artists, uh, it kind of it makes them look quite silly. And like, in in that kind of Spinal Tap way, and like uh, and some kind of monster is, I would say probably the nadir of Metallica in that era. So when they did a documentary of that time, it's really interesting to see where they are in that headspace. But yeah, it's it's a it, it's a I haven't touched it for a while. Let's <laughs> say that. <laughs> But I'll have you know, I revisited Metallica more recently, like a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I really, I, I enjoyed the music. I thought it was, uh, you know, I thought the voices were great. I thought, I think Rahul, my friend, was right. I think they were trying to do some incredible stuff with music. I think at that phase, it also had something to do with me, I think, because mm-hmm. um, in the mid-90s, all my friends were wearing black t-shirts and listening to Guns N' Roses mm-hmm. and Aerosmith and... It was like that. It's it's. I thought to myself, how can I be different? And <laughs> for some reason, I said maybe I, you know, I'll have a different musical, you know, sort of list. Mm-hmm. Like, I because before that, I remember when I was a kid, there was a lot of Dylan and Simon and Garfunkel and Pink Floyd, growing up in India. Again, I can't explain why. And we could do a whole thing of like bands that are popular in India for no particular reason yeah. <laughs> and bands that should be popular in India but never made it big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's uh, like good... Oasis became cult in India but never big. I couldn't understand it. Yeah. Whereas uh, John Denver, John Denver <laughs> is huge in India. Why? Yeah, tell you what, like uh, I've been to a party before and I said, you know what, like John Denver, Denver always takes quite long to get into a song. I was just thrown out straight away, Annabelle. It was, uh, it was very upsetting for me. <laughs> I think I saw you at that party. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was in Mumbai in 2006. I was like, who's that, that young it. British man being thrown out of that party? What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, tell you what, like... Um, you can tell it's a, a good conversation so far, Annabelle, because uh, we often start off with the question um, that I'm about to ask you, but we, we're already like 10 minutes in. This is a, <laughs> a, already a free-flowing conversation. But the kind of the, the way I always start, Annabelle, is I like to ask, if someone were to ask you what kind of music are you into, how do you typically respond? Oh, wow. Um, the music I'm into currently, at least two of the band members have to be dead. <laughs> I think that's, that's what I'm... Is that a requirement? It's like you listen what? to that, like, hmm, well, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I can get into this yet. Yeah, you start loading your crossbow, like, here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting, it, you know, it's like someone said, oh, do you, do you want to see the Rolling Stones for the last time or whatever? I've never seen the Stones live. And if someone immediately said, well, what are they going to do about, uh, you know, the other guitarist who died? Uh, and then the drummer's dead. And then I had this conversation about some other band I really like. And, oh, yeah, my wife was saying, oh, you know, I'd love to see Genesis in concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she loved that music. I don't know why. Again, in India. <laughs> I don't know why she likes Genesis. But uh, I was like, I think somebody Genesis is dead. And, you know, I, I don't know why I'm having these conversations about bands. <laughs> and then I absolutely love The Pretenders. Mm-hmm. Um the Scottish band with yes. that, that one song. 
and with that one song. They've got many brilliant songs, I'm sure. But uh, is it five hundred miles? Oh, is that Proclaimers? Yeah. Proclaimers. Sorry, yeah, why yeah. am I saying Pretenders? Proclaimers. No, no, I, I thought it was, but I just I didn't want to jump too far. Please do, please do. <laughs> I mean, you have no idea. My music knowledge has been insulted through my childhood in far worse ways as. As I'm beginning to tell you, I've been thrown out of places. I'm, I've been scolded. I do have to stress, I'm not going to kick you out of this podcast recording. Because that, <laughs> if, if anything, that's just rude at this point. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Matt, I would be used to it. I mean, you and I will become good friends because I'll know, oh, yeah, this is what, a, what friends do to each other. <laughs> so they realize that I'm not showing the sufficient level of intellectual knowledge about a band. They throw them out. It's fair enough. Feels like um, this is some, somewhat turned to therapy halfway through. <laughs> this is I'm on a couch. I can't. Uh, you can't see it, but this is my music therapy. Yeah, music therapy. I like it. And someone said, mm-hmm. this is probably sacrilege to say, but someone said one of the brothers has passed away, and I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Were they named Craig and Charlie Reed? Was that their names? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. It's um, Craig and Charlie Reed. And then somebody said, yeah, one of the. I was like, that's not possible. Because they seem young and they're still touring. I hope they're still touring. Um, so it's like that. It's like every band I want to see, um, you know, I mean, either they've broken up and um, mm-hmm. there was some revival of the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. And I nowadays I don't even Google, like, is the band together? Are they still talking? Is everybody alive? Because all the bands are like, nobody's with anybody anymore. And basically... All the lead singers look like middle-aged men. Yeah, you know that work for a hedge fund. You know, like every single band I love. And now you're saying some of them have become whatever right-wing people as well. Yeah, I mean, I love Morrissey. I love the Smiths. I love Proclaimers. I absolutely love Sex Pistols, um, The Cure, but Boy George. You know, like all of that yeah. stuff. I feel like they all would look like, you know, people who run an Airbnb at Cotswolds. You know, so, <laughs> Wow, what a requirement! And and if that's the kind of festival you're going to be bringing, like just just imagine the 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 marketing campaign, <laughs> like just the, <laughs> imagine the look, the demographics. It's just polo shirts galore everywhere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And some guy who invites me to his golf club, and it turns out to be Sid Vicious or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, who I, I'm quite sure is not alive, right? Uh, yes, Sid Vicious is not alive. Okay, good. So, <laughs> my limited knowledge of music. You know, as in some of the great ones die great, you know, which is fine. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm a huge fan of David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Bowie? Bowie? Bowie. Thank you. See, I, I knew that, that the true purists would correct me. Well, um, I'm not even a purist. I, 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 to be honest, I, I even had self-doubt after I said it. It was like, I'm pretty sure someone's going to send me a tweet about it. So... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. True, true musician. And see, I'm such a fan, I can't even pronounce his name. <laughs> David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. David Bowery. Yeah. yeah. The, the famous cricket commentator. Yeah. Um, and he's a, he was, of course, you know, very funny and incredibly erudite and all of that. But, um, I mean, David Bowie having to live through Brexit and... You know, all of this stuff and, and the culture wars and stuff would have been interesting. But I don't know. I think all the great ones go for a reason when they go, you know, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But all the others that I'm a big fan of, um, I mean, I just they they basically look like, you know, people that that I would, sometimes would look like people on LBC radio. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Yeah, right. You paint a very, very vivid picture of uh, 
<laughs> of both the uh, the bands and and the uh, uh, clientele of the festival. But um, what <laughs> what what I particularly liked is that at the very start of this com this like, this thread of conversation, you talk, mentioned that you can only like a band if two people uh, are at least dead in the band. Yeah, and geez. the first yeah. the first person that you mentioned were the Proclaimers, who were a duet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be just no one on stage. <laughs> like, why is this taking so long to start? <laughs> that would be because they're dead. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I mean, that would be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you would get home pretty quick that night, wouldn't you? <laughs> so Def Leppard also came up in conversation, mm -hmm. and I remember friends, and then somebody said, "Oh, they're not together," and then some of them are dead or whatever. Like. I don't know why I'm having so many conversations about bands I like. Yeah. I guess they're getting to that age because they would have been in their 20s and 30s when I was. I guess they're getting to their 60s and 70s and maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's just a, that cycle of life, I suppose, you know. But um, to kind of move on to a different direction. Um, did you um, did you ever want to be a musician when you were growing up uh, before you were a comedian? Well, uh, I, <laughs> I was... Uh, in a band in school. No way. Yeah. But 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 surely out of politics and <laughs> and it was it was India, so corruption as well. Oh so uh, it was full full corruption. I was uh, I was very very bad. I was terrible. I was the synthesizer player in the yes. band. Yes, that's so cool. I think the name of the band. I know, I can't I can't tell the name of the band. It will just it'll be the end of. I don't know what it'll be the end of because nobody would give a shit what band i was in but uh yeah. it, it had a very indian name it's called the winkies um the winkies <laughs> now no. now if i really want to meet the the lead singer of the band was a, a, a guitarist was an indian man called jojo Mukherjee, who i'm not i haven't seen since school and he started the band and then uh, we were very good friends so he let me into the band mm -hmm. and then realized i was shit but because we were friends, he kind of let me be in it. And then he found better musicians and then sort of had a word with me to say, you know, I'm going to have to let you go from this band. Oh, but we'd no. already played like two events in school, which people enjoyed and the principal clapped. And I think <laughs> just a single clap. Just like one clap. It was just that. And I think I think we played La Bamba, if I remember correctly. And Which, it's brilliant. I didn't know I had synthesizers on it, but fair play, you know. It's, there you go. See, this is why I wanted to be fired. Because the instrument I was playing which was basically three pre-recorded chords on a synthesizer that didn't even exist on the song. So therefore, he realized there's no need for my friend. He said, listen, tough decision, whatever, but I have to let you go. And I remember running into the vice principal of school oh, and no. they said, oh, are you are the Winkies going to be performing at the next school event? I said, I don't know. I'm not in the band anymore. And he said, why not in the band? And they said, well, you know, Jojo Mukherjee threw me out. And he said, aren't you guys neighbors and friends? He's like, yeah, but he's like, I'm going to sort this out. So the vice principal used his influence <laughs> to force me back into the band. <laughs> at this concert, which Jojo Mukherjee was not happy about. And, uh, and subsequently, our friendship suffered, oh my even God. though I played three more events with the Winkies. 
uh, after which I personally resigned because I realized that the songs they were playing, there was no need for my instrument. Oh my goodness, mate. You weren't joking about politics and corruption. like Full so, corruption. So it's, early on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you wonder why Indian politics is corrupt. It starts here. It starts, it starts here. with the Winkies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good... You know what? I should abandon Castable and I should focus my efforts on making this into like a six part kind of like serial podcast. Because that, that, that was a deep, interesting story there. It would go to, straight to the top. Do you know what I mean? Like a... and, and you know, the funny thing is Jojo Mukherjee, who started, I can't believe I'm telling you my school stories <laughs> on a public podcast. Yeah. I feel like I feel like we're, we're I'm having a reunion with a high school friend or something. Um, we have got him on as a special guest at the end. Don't worry. <laughs> 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 this, so he he sort of became like that sort of legendary figure like i think in spinal tap there's a drummer who dies or disappears yes, or like yeah there's like a sid barrett type figure right who's around but not around that kind of thing so jojo Mukherjee became mythical after school because no one saw him after school and someone said he got a job in africa and he lives in nairobi and someone said oh he still lives in calcutta Nobody mm-hmm. knew what happened to him. And then these rumors started that he got electrocuted on stage <laughs> in the middle of a concert. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds like straight out of Spinal Tap. That couldn't have happened. Yeah. And then someone else said they saw him or whatever. And he lives in the Himalayas somewhere. Like all these myths still exist about Jojo Mukherjee. <laughs> and then he changed, I think they changed the name of the band from the Winkies uh, way after I'd left it. And they became quite popular. Um, basically, they'd sing covers. They'd sing covers of like, and that band uh, was Pink yeah. Floyd. <laughs> yeah, they became Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing. The unknown member of Pink Floyd is a man, is a short, fat Indian man called Jojo Mukherjee, <laughs> who's who goes by a different name now. <laughs> he goes by David Gilmore. That's what he goes by, now. and that's how you know him. Um, but but yeah, nobody knows what happened to him, and these rumors still circulate. Um, well, a friend of mine, just to be cheeky, sent me a message saying, oh, you know, the school is doing a tribute concert for Jojo Mukherjee next year. Are you going to go? Because no he way. died famously in that concert. I was like, what famously? What concert? What? He's, he's Nobody does. And so this, it's, he's become sort of this mythical figure. But um, <laughs> we, we talk about him like, you know, like, I don't know, great people talk about, you know. Some mythical band figure. This um, is not yeah. what I expected when we started yeah. this conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and right. other friends asked me, you know, uh, do you regret leaving the Winkies before? They, and they became a much bigger band uh, in school uh, called the Pacific. And mm. when I say bigger band, what I'm trying to tell you is they played six school events. Uh, and three of those girls were invited, which was a massive, massive thing. And uh, in the 1980s, if you went to school in India, there was an event, you did these cultural festivals where different schools competed with each other. Mm-hmm. And you had debate dramatics. And the concluding event was, it was called Western Music. Yeah. <laughs> and Western Music, and maybe there's some version of it in British schools as well. But Western Music was where different bands from different schools competed. And when the Winkies became big, they were called the Pacific, and they competed basically playing Guns N' Roses songs against other schools. Yeah. And the Pacific were huge. Like they won two or three different inter-school cultural festivals by playing. Uh, and 
that's when you know I was in the audience, sort of as the long lost, sort of not long, the fired, <laughs> the fired, uh, you know, member. Of, and yeah. then people would say, "Weren't you ever in?" And then they'd sort of go away from me, knowing yeah. the whole story. Wow. I yeah. Well, you know, uh, whatever happened uh, to um, you know the the other band member? If if you do know of him, like please get in touch. Or if you listen yeah. to the podcast, like <laughs> just get in touch with me at my house comedy, and we're, we're gonna get to the bottom of this mystery. Okay. <laughs> Jojo Mukherjee last seen in nineteen ninety six on stage <laughs> at the Interschool Cultural Festival in Calcutta. Anyone's heard of him? <laughs> Well, uh, you know what? Like, uh, I don't think we need to ask any more questions about <laughs> your musical past because I, I feel like that was such a rich history. And I think, uh, yeah, the best thing about Castable is that we are talking about music and music festivals. <laughs> but really, we're getting to the heart of who you are as a person. And yeah, we've learned that you've been rejected a lot from, uh, <laughs> from, from bands and from parties. You know, this is musical therapy. <laughs> yeah, disposed and thrown out, you know, and... A lot of people even don't bring it up now when I meet school friends because they know that oh Anupam went into comedy obviously because after that Winkies incident you know like they, <laughs> it's referred to like Waterloo it's like yeah. a noted <laughs> noted incident in my life absolutely um, and I think that you know when I mentioned I remember when I I first started you know traveling and 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 visiting people in other countries in the West and I would tell them these stories mm-hmm. they had sort of had you know, we thought it was very cool that, you know, there were a bunch of Indian kids doing Western music. But but some of the stories I told them, these people had experienced the same thing, but at a much younger age. You yeah. know, like, for example, one of the main things the Pacific did was play Paradise City, <laughs> the song. Yeah. And one of the things Jojo Mukherjee was famous for that made the, the, the young ladies from the girls' school very, very sort of attracted to him was that he would take the guitar and put it on top of his head and play like the beginning chords in the back of his head. Yes. Yeah. And and that's my vibe. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so this is the thing when I mentioned it as a thing to people, they're like, yeah, been there, done that many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, almost to a point of irony. So then I'd be like, oh, maybe culturally this was exciting because we did. Of course they would. This is the Western world. It's their music. <laughs> I mean, why do we think we're doing something interesting? Um so yeah, but I found all this out much later when I went yeah. to America and so on for the first time. Well, we could end the episode there. That was so, so good. Like I am genuinely gripped uh, as as a fan of like uh, you know like investigative journalist stuff. Like this is this is this has got me. This is going to be my obsession for the next five years. By the way, yeah. Wasn't there a film about this guy? Was it Rodrigo? Or whatever. There's some oh, guy. Yeah, yes, it was. Um, yeah, Rodriguez, um, and it was um, Searching for Sugar Man. That's the documentary. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's really and the music good. is supposed to be brilliant as well. It is. And it is. What am I saying? I, I heard that album for a while, I remember, when I when I heard about the documentary. And that he's, like, br- huge in some other country. Maybe Jojo Mukherjee is very big in Poland, and he lives there. <laughs> and you just yeah. don't know. Well... People, right, people, whoever listened to this, get on, get in touch, right? I, 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 yeah, I don't care where you are in the world. Just, just tell me, t- tweet at me at Madhouse Comedy and tag in Anubab. <laughs> if you know where Juju, uh, is it Jojo Mukabe? <laughs> if you know jo- where jo- jo- exactly, exactly. If you know where Jojo Mukabe is, <laughs> send us a tweet, all right? Even just if you don't, just send us a tweet anyway. Just say, don't know where he is. <laughs> yeah, that's good enough. That's good enough. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. <laughs> 
because <laughs> I'm not sure if this is a libel or slander, but it's it's dangerously close. <laughs> but uh, yeah. no, I'm just teasing. Uh, but let's let's head over to uh, to your music festival and let's go and set up camp. Hello and welcome to season five of Castable. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It really means the world to me. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please make sure to give it five stars on Spotify or Apple or whatever platform that you're using and give it a nice review. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend, share it. If you want to have bonus content and financially support the podcast, why don't you become a Patreon for a little pound a month where you get to have bonus podcasts, videos and so much more. Best way to support the podcast is keep on listening to the show and enjoy the rest of the season. So before we can uh, have your dream festival, Annabelle, we need to find out the background information about your festival. So I'm going to ask you yeah, a couple okay. of questions. Um, Fair enough. Um, so what is the name of your music festival? Uh, the name of my music festival would be Kedgeri. Kedgeri. That's nice. Kedgeri. And uh, basically it comes from a dish that was very popular in British India. Yeah. Where they would... Uh, for because it's so hot they would basically make like an irish stew but mm-hmm. then they would do it with indian spices and so even today the word kedgeri means it's a dish that just sounds like a mashup of of different things that's, um yeah that's really that's a really cool concept because like most people just stick their names plus stock at the end but that's a <laughs> what you've done is actually had a concept well done this is good because like or uh, like anavab stock like, like <laughs> oh yeah yeah okay, I get it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but well I, I think Kedgeri is nicer because like uh, it's, you're talking about uh, a melting pot uh, well a literal pot of like kind of a mix of different um, different things coming in together is that like, about the right thing. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, Kedgeri basically has like rice, onions, turmeric, like they just put a bunch of things together. And it's essentially a British recipe, mm-hmm. but mixed with Indian spices. So I figured that that's pretty much my life, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I like that, yeah. And just worryingly, Anubab stock sounds more like food than Kedgeri, which it actually <laughs> is food. It sounds like one of the spices you put in there, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So with having like a food-based title, um, what kind of food would you have at your festival? Would would you be oh, serving wow. Kedgeri? Um, I think Kedgeri would be on there. I yeah. think you'd have, you know, uh, wow, that's a really good question. I think you'd have like very traditional British things and really odd Indian things. So you had biryani, yes. but with Pim's number one. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. You know, you'd, you'd have gin and tonic with kebab. Like, it's just, you got to mix, like, a proper melting pot of, yeah. of things you'd see in a British summer party and an Indian street. <laughs> that is such, you've melded two wonderful images there. Like, uh, it's like a lovely summer party with a little bit of Indian street food. Nice. Yeah. Like, I like yeah. that. Like... <laughs> Chin and tonic and kebab, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> really I mean, those two me. worlds need to meet more. You know, yeah. the summer village cricket crowd yeah. needs to meet the East London late night food crowd. <laughs> I think those two worlds don't meet often enough. Oh, yeah, that's it. As a concept, I really love it. And uh, you know what? I, I would definitely be well up for this festival. Like, it sounds... Uh, Sounds, uh, it's actually making me hungry thinking about it to be fair but like uh let's let's find a little bit more detail whereabouts geographically would you like your festival to be oh wow 
that's uh that's a great question see it'll have to i think it'll have to be summer in england mm-hmm. um I, only because i know it's unimaginative because there are already so many festivals in the summer in england but because we don't have the culture of summer festivals in india mainly because right now there's a heat wave and the entire place would catch fire um <laughs> i think we'd have to place it here in the summer or you yeah. could do it in the indian winter you know which is sort of like your summer but i w- i would say we do it um somewhere like uh, there's a town called market drayton mm-hmm. which is where i mean this is a bit of nonsense history but uh lord clive who was the first guy to show up in india and start a war mm-hmm. uh, it's his hometown it's yeah. clive's hometown <laughs> and i mean obviously it's debated in history that you know uh mm-hmm. it may or may not have been a good thing we don't know but you know mm-hmm. I, i i got the english language thanks to it so i mean <laughs> at least we can do this podcast uh, so yeah so yeah <laughs> but there might be some of a negatives as well I, yeah <laughs> i think it's fair to say that there's there's some bad stuff that he did yeah. but but his hometown i think uh, and the main reason is i was doing some research on clive for a comedy thing yeah and he hated music of any kind <laughs> and he used to have people shot uh he used to have a lot of uh, his own band people shot and indian musicians shot oh, for goodness. playing music so i no. figured that it would be sort of like nice if if all of all of sort of what the lovely combinations of britain and india have become you know with our food and our cultural exchange yeah and all the all the similarities we now share where you know Britain eats more Indian food now than India does. Yeah. You know, yeah. so all of that we took it to his hometown of Market Drayton. Oh my god. And said, yeah. I don't think it's ended in a way you couldn't have imagined. <laughs> and also because he hated music. I thought it'd be sort of a nice empire strikes back thing yeah. if he showed up in Market Drayton and did the concert there. <laughs> I love that so much. That's such a, that I'm I'm just brimming with pride with the idea. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just say Yeah. But, um yeah, and I I've just I've just googled Market uh, Drayton and uh, and Robert Clive has popped up as one of the more notable people who uh, lived there, but do you know who else lived there? Uh no. The 1930s British fascist leader, Sir Oswald Mosley. So he definitely oh, hated really? as well. So t- wow. two birds one stone. Wow. It's a prominent town this one. <laughs> yeah. Not a good vibe, I would say. Yeah, But... Empire starters and fascists. This is an interesting <laughs> which is interesting... the name of my uh, autobiography. Thank you. Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Empire starters and fascists the love story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a biography of Matt Hoss. I would absolutely read this. I would. I would... <laughs> it's it's uh it's not a bestseller. I have to say. <laughs> uh, but, but but yeah, wow. I, I think that's what a great answer, and I I love that there. It's a yeah, and uh, yeah, and how many people would you like at the festival? You know, I've realised that festivals in the UK are very specific by demographics. So I once did a comedy show at the Henley Festival. and that was only posh people mm-hmm. you know it was everyone was were in tuxedos and there was it was in henley and there was a regatta afterwards and people were drinking champagne and then i've been at other festivals i think i've been at green man one yes, time yes. and that just looked like a lot of convicts who'd been let out <laughs> you know it was just look look like bedlam it was yeah. just Yeah, it was people throwing their tents at each other. It was madness. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, Green Man Festival is actually one of the more civilized festivals. If you oh, go to sorry. Leeds or Reading, uh, it's, it's like, imagine that, but times by ten. 
<laughs> oh wow! So Green Man was a quieter one. Yeah, weirdly. Or maybe wow. So imagine that's how I felt at one of the civilized ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's just British, just the way we do it over here. Yeah. So I'm, so in Reading, what are people like? Setting tents on fire. Yeah. 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 That's the kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, axe throwing. Um, and uh, all night parties, setting fire to stuff. Brilliant. Actually, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, I've only been to, to Green Man, and I'm contrasting it compared to the Henley Festival, <laughs> which looked like a graduation ceremony. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe I teasing, thought it was wild. Yeah, It was wild in that context. But imagine, like, for a 45-year-old man, that's, <laughs> that's wild, right? That's like, well, what are these people doing up at 3 in the morning in a festival? You know, that's... <laughs> My wife and I were like, why aren't they sleeping? You know, yeah. this, so it's, I, I think it's because we don't know anything. We don't yeah. know any better about how to have fun. So I think, I think that's why I thought Green Man. But now that you're telling me that that's one of the quiet ones, well, I have to go to the others now. Yeah, right. We'll get you a ticket to Reading Festival in uh, 2022. Yeah. We'll, we'll hang out together and you'll yeah. have a horrible time. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like middle-aged comedian missing in Reading. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you, you, you are the British uh, answer to uh, Jojo Mokibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> They're like, he was hanging out with Metallica and then we didn't find him. <laughs> Um, all right, and before we go up to your actual uh, lineup, um, uh, we are obviously in a um, a market town in England, but will there be camping? Yeah, yeah, but but hopefully, you know, like we can make the camp slightly more interesting. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I I think that that camps have sort of gone down in value, you know, when young teenagers started putting it up, like. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of history, as you know, Matt, and I really like those camps, you know, that are set up when you lay siege to a town, yeah. like when Henry VIII would, like all these mm. British kings and Indian kings would put up these tents that were fantastic. You could have a banquet in those tents, you know, they came mm. with uh, like a fireplace and attendance and so on. So I definitely want tents, but it'd be great if the tents are like from the 16th century. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like like posh tents. Yeah. You know, with, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't, I mean, now you look at a tent, it's just a zipped up bag. You're sleeping inside a very large travel bag, really. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and then it's you and the partner and you're trying to watch something on a phone. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I, I think you need one of those old tents where the news you would come that, you know, people have lost York. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> like a yeah. war tent. Yeah. yeah, like a war tent. Thank you. Yeah, like in Game of Thrones, you know, yes. like those nice big tents where a lot of uh, betrayal and, and uh, you yeah. know, a lot of lot of great treachery, all that can happen in a tent. Yeah, I um, think, and everyone has one of those for the everyone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, great. So, so we wouldn't get too many people at the festival. <laughs> <laughs> the tents would take up quite a bit of space. You've got fifteen people at the festival. You've, made, you've lost about a million pounds on yes. on, on on the economic side of it, but um, yeah. But let's head over to your uh, to your lineup and see who you have booked for your festival. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Festival, if you can hear me, I want you to sing along. Go for it. So, Anabab, um, yeah. you mentioned earlier that it's a two-day festival. Is yes. That, is that Saturday and Sunday or Friday and Saturday or are you going for different days? 
Well, I would, um, yeah, I would pick a, a Monday and Tuesday. I'll tell Whoa. you why. Yeah, go because, on. Because I want to know what kind of person can afford to come to a festival in the middle of the week and rent a gigantic medieval uh. tent <laughs> to see some random bands. Yeah. You know? But those are the people I want to be friends with. You know, those are the people that yeah. deserve to be at my festival. You know? <laughs> people with either inherited money <laughs> or yeah. people who are unemployed or people who are just mad. You know, like like every other festival and the weekend, you know, those crowds are taken. You know, people yeah. have booked yeah, months yeah. in advance. Glastonbury, this, that or the other. So so I'm saying come middle of the week. Um, you know, or if you're one of those people that don't give a shit that the bank holiday ends. You know, like there yeah. are people who are like, oh, I'm off from week uh, work for the next three weeks because of the Queen's Jewel. Yeah. You know, those people yeah. who don't think that Tuesday is a working day. Those yeah. are the people we want. <laughs> well, okay, that's brilliant. So uh, so I don't think I've ever seen a Monday and a Tuesday festival no. before, but you know what? It's, uh, it's uh, you know, you're playing to your strengths. You know what I mean? So let's start off with your Monday. So um, who is the first act on for your Monday um, to start off the festival? So here's the thing, you know, I think a lot of people do it the wrong way around, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I know that the people in this country have had a history of festivals for 60, 70 years, you know, ever since the 1960s, I would imagine. I mean, I don't know as much about music uh, as you do, Matt, but is it fair to say that the big, big name is kept for the end? Yes. Right. Yeah. And and they call them headliners. Mm hmm. Right, like the great Sir Paul McCartney, I believe, is headlining Glastonbury. Yes. Um, so he would come out very late at night. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I I have a slightly different plan. I'm saying let's start with the really big one. Yeah. And if you miss it, you miss it. <laughs> you, you you really are kind of like right. We don't care how many people are here. We're yeah. gonna make it a difficult time for and expensive yeah. to get here. And yeah. when you get here, if you miss it, yeah. well, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. You, you got all that resentment from being kicked out of that party back when you were a teenager. It just built up over years and years. It's coming out in this ungracious way. Between the Winkies and Pink Floyd, you know, it's been rough with me and music. And then my best friend shouting at me about, you know, James Hatfield. It's been yeah. rough. It, you know, it's it's difficult. It's been yeah. difficult. I tell you what, if if the lineup is Pink Floyd, um, yeah. Metallica, and the Winkies. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be a good lineup. Yeah, it would be very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so you're going to start off with um, big, big books on first, then slowly kind of not dwindle out, but certainly have like a, it, it gets less, um, less big as the day goes on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, uh, we'll basically end with my history teacher doing Sinatra. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the end of it. But, but the, the traditional headliner is uh, often the last person. So technically yeah. headlining your festival is your history teacher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whose name was Noel Ritchie. Now, I don't know why a man named Noel Ritchie was teaching history in India in the 1980s, but there you go. That's what Lord Clive does to the world. So he was a lovely, lovely man. He was also an alcoholic, and he liked to sing Sinatra to us when he ran out of history stories. And I think he should be on at 10 o'clock at night. Okay. Um, but we'd start with someone small, like Queen. Uh, whoa, yeah, okay. So we're starting off with Queen. Um, yeah, yes. Unknown. 
you know they've never played big festivals you know um, like very much like charles dickens very up, up and coming i would say up and coming and we do that we do the, all of that you know i would i would get freddie mercury his elephant you know all that grand stuff mm-hmm. but we would do it at 8 30 in the morning on a monday oh my goodness so if you missed me. it you you because the whole point is all these people get to the festival they set up their medieval tents and then the whole word would be you have no idea what you missed yeah you missed freddie mercury and an elephant so the expectation would be it can only get better from there and it won't <laughs> i can't believe what i missed uh, oh we just missed from freddie mercury but don't worry there's a history teacher on later on <laughs> exactly exactly so following freddie mercury and queen yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Starting off at eight thirty in the morning, but which yeah. that is yeah. just it really like I tried to stay impartial in here, but this is pushing my limits. <laughs> I know. Think about it, Matt. You got there, okay, and you've you've had your first, you know, chicken tikka kebab. Yeah, with a gin and tonic. And the gin and tonic, right? You walk in, and the first thing you see is not some child who's building their musical career, but Freddie Mercury and Elephant. Yeah. yeah, at eight, and he sings, he belts out all his greatest songs, right? And then Queens, all that brilliant stuff. You know, if I starts with Under Pressure, he yeah. starts with the big okay. one. Yeah, yeah. You know, they all of that, and by ten thirty, you're done. You know, it's yeah. it's uh, you know, and after that, you know, uh, we sort of gradually work our way down. But then, you know, this is interesting because, I mean, who would you have after them? You know, I I had, I had Beyonce on my list. <laughs> To follow Queen. Yeah. To follow Queen. Yeah. And only because, and this is going to sound terrible, but I only heard the entire Beyonce Uber during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. I'm ashamed of it. I mean, I understand, like everybody, I remember my wife telling me, like, I, I, I remember telling her, oh, this, these songs are brilliant. Her voice is fantastic. And she told me, how are you 14 years late to this? Well, to be fair, I feel like, um, you know, like um, sometimes people, it doesn't matter when you come into a, a thing, uh, it's just, just when you do it. Because, you know, I, I'm I'm 28 years old, right? So that means that I, um, I wasn't around for like certain big bands when they were in their heyday. And like, you kind of have to come into it later on in life. And in, in the pandemic at the same time, I was uh, I was listening to this band. I was like, "Whoa, this band's fantastic!" Oh my god, do people know how good they are? And that band was Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm trying to tell people, "Have you heard of Fleetwood Mac?" As if they're a brand new band. They're really yeah. good. They're fantastic. It's like, yeah, yeah they're yeah. on every advert all the time, anytime. Do you know what I mean? They're exactly the same sentiment. Exactly. I mean, I I uh, I've always been late to bands. I've been late to movies. And then I'll go around telling people, this is fantastic. The other day, I saw my first Louis Theroux documentary. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, this man's a genius. Yeah. And people are like, where the hell have you been for 20 years? <laughs> but this is, sometimes, sometimes I'll get to it on time, but most of the time I get to stuff late. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I, second would be Beyonce. And I, I really don't know if Queen is bigger than Beyonce, but because Beyonce is alive, I mm-hmm. assume Queen is bigger. I don't know. Um, yeah, that works. Yeah, seems fair enough. Uh, and then I I do something interesting that I think gets done but not enough. So I would have like the London Philharmonic Orchestra mm-hmm. doing nice. you know Johann Sebastian Bach or something, mm-hmm. right? Something you know sort of from the canon, like something classic, like I think Bach or Hayden or something. 
and then suddenly in the middle of it have Snoop Dogg appear. <laughs> and so there will be a rap and a bit of bark. Yeah. As a, as a thing. Uh, I mean, obviously they won't say yes. Um, but then we'll have to see. We'll have to, you know, we're in the town of Clive, so we could get some guns and threaten them. I don't know what we could do. <laughs> but if we can get these two people together, Snoop Dogg and the London Philharmonic Orchestra together, Wow. You know, as your yeah. lunchtime thing, <laughs> as we work our way down from Queen, that would be I don't know interesting. Yeah, wow. I mean, what 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 a turn of events. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I love how like well they might not turn up, but we'll get guns. <laughs> so that, 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 that's a good. Uh, we just good... threaten. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if we can, you know, I mean, look, it's already turning out to be slightly difficult to book these people. <laughs> You know, if I go up to Queen, who are A, not together anymore. Yeah. And B, I have to bring someone back from the dead and then tell them, you're going on at 8.30 on a Monday morning. <laughs> and your audience, who are about 20 people, will be holding kebabs and a gin and tonic. This is and the saddest festival we've ever Saddest. Done. And you'll no, be performing joking. under a giant statue of Lord Clive. Um, <laughs> So after the London um, Philharmonic Orchestra with Snoop Dogg, who have you yeah. got on? Is that like you got two more bands on or is it one more and then Noel Ritchie? Just, just Noel Ritchie is the headliner and the, <laughs> we're working our way down. So what, what I do is I mix it up culturally as well. So mm-hmm. I'd have one band no one's heard of. Um, and, and that would be, um, well, basically it wouldn't be a band, but it'd be all the songs from the classic 1982 Bollywood film, The Disco Dancer, which was our copy of Saturday Night Fever. And basically it's pretty much a lot of the songs from Saturday Night Fever sung in Hindi. Um, (laughs) That's cool. uh, And not just those songs, but also the Indian version of Video Kill the Radio Star. So this was a cult classic. Um, It came out in 1982. I highly recommend watching it because um, it's a Bollywood film that mm-hmm. ends in a disco dancing face-off where the hero kills the villain just by disco dancing. <laughs> it's, I, ac- according to me, it's the greatest movie we've ever made. Well, I, I think that um, maybe more films should uh, should take on that, uh, that, that idea. Like, you, you should, instead of, like, murdering someone at the end, you just just go dance them to death, you know? Like, we should, we should, where, where, why is Marvel not doing this? You know, it's, it's not, we need more of this, please. Um, this is, this is what we need, you know? This is the thing. And the thing is that it's uh, in that same finale concert, you know, and, and it's got some great, great songs, you know? It's one of the songs in it is a song called I am a disco dancer. <laughs> you know, this, the lyrics are complicated. Yeah, it's, it's hard to understand. You know, it's, it's uh, as nuanced as Metallica, I would say. It's um, very nuanced. It's like, you need many documents. And I spent an entire Edinburgh festival trying to convince, basically, the director of this film sued me. And this is this is a true story. Really? Uh, he, he sued me for defamation for saying that Disco Dancer was a funny film. And he has always maintained he made a serious tragedy, <laughs> which ends in a disco dancing death. Yeah, with, um, with the song, I am a disco dancer. <laughs> I am a disco dancer. It's, and, it's very serious. Very serious. And, and one of the main plot points of it is the main hero, the disco dancer, trying to be murdered. So the villain has hired a murderer to kill the disco dancer so that his son, who is also a disco dancer, can win, which leads to the final disco dancing payoff. But... 
Sorry, I, I don't mean to digress into a disco dancing Spoiler story. Spoiler alert. But Come on, people. I, I apologize, yeah, <laughs> to, to all the people that will watch it. Yeah. Uh, but the but the murderer, he's, throughout the film, he's just known as the murderer from London. And the murderer from London does only one thing. He specializes in murdering disco dancers. <laughs> he goes around the world killing disco dancers. I, I'm going to have to watch this afterwards. This is... This is, yeah. This is, I mean, basically... I spent 40 nights at Edinburgh in 2019 uh, trying to convince people to watch this movie. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, so anyway, so the, the if we could recreate the finale disco dancing face-off scene between the hero and the villain, the, the main disco dancer, his name is, traditional Indian name, his name is Jimmy. <laughs> and, and the <laughs> rival, his villain, the son of the villain, the rival disco dancer, his name is... Uh, traditional Indian again, Sammy. So Jimmy and Sammy have a disco dancing face-off. And I think I think it'd be nice to do a medley of mm. all the disco dancing songs yeah. um, from I'm a Disco Dancer, just because people will not be expecting it. Um, and it's the sort of thing you expect at Kedgeree. Um, yeah. You know, right after Snoop Dogg and the London Philharmonic. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's, I actually really think that's a, it's a really cool thing to have on as well, because it shows... Um, a little bit about um, the things that you like, the thing, and also like, uh, it, yeah, it's a, uh, it really, I would say this, Anavab, um, it's it's a good suggestion because no one mm. else in the world will ever pick that uh, <laughs> for that reason. Exactly, right? You know what I mean? Right, and but, also by now the audience is like, this is a mad festival, yeah, organized by mad people, and, and, and there is a sixty-foot statue of Lord Clive. <laughs> what kind of festival is this? Yeah, and I'm like, well, if Queen were starting off the day, it should, it should, <laughs> it's gonna come back round, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're going, we're going. It's karma. We're going the other way. And uh, so after disco dancer, is it Noel or who do you have on afterwards? Exactly, exactly. Excellent point. Uh, then we have, uh, I think, after disco dancer, when people are just confused and asking, what is this going on? We get Noel Ritchie. Yes. Uh, my my <laughs> third form history teacher who did excellent Sinatra songs. Excellent. But often there is a risk with Noel Ritchie, which is that he would he would often drink a lot and and sometimes pass out in the middle of one of the songs. And the song usually was Isle of Capri, the famous uh, Frank Sinatra song. Because he would start dancing. He's like, boys, enough of history today. No more Socrates. I'm going to sing you Isle of Capri. And we didn't realize that it was okay for a, an alcoholic teacher. <laughs> to, this was the 80s. Different times, different values. <laughs> and Noel Ritchie would often sort of sing Isle of Capri and then sit down in his chair and start snoring. Oh and we're like, and only when we got older, we're like, oh, he was wasted. He was smashed. <laughs> That's why he didn't finish the lesson. He was drunk off his mind. Oh my and, god! And then he'd sing a range of songs, but mostly it was it was that. And I think that would be a good way to end the day yeah. with Noel Ritchie singing "Strangers in the Night" and then "Isle of Capri" and then passing out the <laughs> on stage. On stage. <laughs> on stage. Wow. Passing out. And but remember, you began the day with Queen. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. And. I think let's head straight over onto your Tuesday. Uh, do, uh, are other people getting as drunk as Noel? Is it a bit of a party atmosphere at your festival? Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of things are allowed. Like, for example, one of the things we encourage people to do on Monday night is if they'd like lots of, you know, it, it's a mixture of history and sociopolitics and, and music. So if you want to 
tear down the giant statue of Clive and throw it into the river. Yeah. That's allowed. Yeah. You know, because that's in the zeitgeist now. <laughs> so we've built the statue. So don't damage any real statues. We've built you a fake statue <laughs> for you to get wasted and like express your political views and all that. So you can pick up that statue, throw it in the river. You can do all of that. And you can pretend like the tents are from the 1600s. So if you want to lay siege to a friend's tent and starve them of food and water, you can do all that. So you could get a bit medieval, you know, in yeah. as the evening progresses. Um, I like that. But yeah, but what you don't realize is that the next day, all the irony disappears and it's going to be like a regular festival. <laughs> irony disappears, just kind of evacuates the festival. Yep, yep. Yeah, and you're like, this is completely mad. This is ridiculous, etc. Well, I've just eaten 11 different kebabs. <laughs> Listen to Noel Richie. Yeah. What the hell is going on? And the next day, we do it like a regular festival. <laughs> we start with less famous and we build up to very famous. Okay, I'll, okay. so it's kind of like, um, you know, it kind of like strong start. Um, it, you know, uh, it, I would say like it, it kind of ebbs in, in, in the middle and kind of comes back up for a crescendo at the end. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, anybody's comedy career. Right? <laughs> It's like it should follow life. Like you begin in a big way. You think, oh, you know, I'm all sorted for life. And then it all goes to hell. And then you have a recovery. <laughs> That's fantastic. I like yeah. that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who is the first act on for your Tuesday? And is it any of your teachers at school? Yeah, no. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be my teacher. But I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing, though. One of the things we have to do at the festival is have leaflets going around saying, where is Jojo Mukherjee? <laughs> Like a flyer or like, like a milk a carton. And don't explain anything, right? You just don't explain. Because throughout the two days, we'll tell them the story. Yes. Jojo Mukherjee used to play Guns N' Roses, threw me out of this band. It hasn't been seen ever. Yeah. Know, where is Jojo Mukherjee? You know, that should be like a recurring thing for the festival. Uh, but we'd begin, we'd begin the day uh, in a sort of, you know, a lighter note with like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm torn this one because my choices were either, you know, Billie Eilish, mm -hmm. who I think is, you know, slightly well known. Yeah. And or slightly, yeah. or George Ezra. OK, so two kind of pop acts. Pop acts. Yeah. 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 I feel like, you know, uh, older people may not be awake that early. Yeah. Maybe their kids can go and listen to either one of these two people. Maybe the two of them are together. We don't know. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think that'd be a nice collaboration there because it's quite a, uh, you know, two massive acts to start off the Tuesday. You know, that's, yes. uh, I think that's, um, yeah, and I think um, both will get the crowd going a lot as well. And uh, and I, but what I love the most is that, <laughs> that you're just like, well, the the older ones will probably just sleep through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And <laughs> and most of the old people will probably not go. Yeah. And also, it would be great if. Both George Ezra and Billie Eilish sang songs in a different language. Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be nice because <laughs> yeah. it's kedgeri, right? It's a mix-up. Yeah. It's you know, like you could see George Ezra and Billie Eilish at any other festival singing songs in English, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so what if they sang all their hits in Hindi or yeah. whatever, some other language? Yeah. Uh, what so are... people would be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you know, it's a bit like a fever dream. It's like I'm pretty sure it's George Ezra. <laughs> yeah. he is singing in you know Norwegian. Yeah. What? Yeah. What, what, why is that happening? Yeah. I mean... And why is he singing? I am a disco dancer. Yeah. <laughs> we heard that nonstop all yesterday. <laughs> Last night. Yeah. 
And but I think that one of the things that should happen is they should sing around Noel Ritchie. They yeah. wouldn't have left from the night before. Oh, for fuck's sake! I forgot to tell you, I've got only one stage. Oh I've my got God. only one stage, <laughs> and no one is doing any tech or changeovers. <laughs> There's just a, a drunk history teacher yeah, yeah. on the floor who is a British Indian like man in his sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's there. And he's sleeping, so I haven't removed him. He's done his, he's got he's holding his book about Greek history and by now the the statue of Clive is gone it was behind because people have thrown it in the river urinated on it whatever they've done and now the the stage is bare George yeah. Ezra and Billy Eilish come on that stage Noel Richie's still sleeping <laughs> on there and they sing all their hits but in a different language just just imagine that back uh, backstage chat uh, all right, Billy. Um, right. So uh, just just um, the text just said that um, we're ready to go on. But just just a bit of a warning. <laughs> There's a man on stage trying not to stand yeah. on them during your dance moves. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, he's quietly <laughs> snoring in the corner. He won't disturb you. You know, it'll be fine. It'll he be won't great. disturb you. He will not disturb you. He'll be fine. So so after uh, and also I, I love the assumption that uh, that this gig's been played and he's still sleeping throughout the <laughs> it's early morning right so yeah. so you know it's been madness he hasn't moved anywhere he sung two sinatra songs he's been snoring from 9 30 at night he's there he's still there so uh, oh this is such a wild ride yeah uh, but after uh, ezra and uh, eilish who have you are so i forgot that that the morning i forgot to tell you this is quite important Matt, that the morning is a george and billy theme yeah so that's okay. why we've got George Ezra and Billie Eilish. So we continue with the George and Billie theme. And the next two are George Harrison mm-hmm. and Billy Joel. Nice. I yeah. like so, that. So those two come on uh, and they're going to sing some songs. Um, and yeah, so uh, I don't know what songs they're going to sing. But mm-hmm. um, but I think that, that that would be a nice collaboration as well as um, George Ezra and Billy Eilish. Like they kind of go. That's a nice pair, and you've also had another nice pair there. And like uh, I feel like they could bounce around between Beatles and Billy Joel. Do you know? and like that you would have a really good time there, right? I would think so. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. I mean, look, this is an audience that have just listened to Snoop Dogg and the London Philharmonic. <laughs> The night before. So they're up for any combination. By now. <laughs> Just anything at this point. But yeah. <laughs> anything. Anything is going on. Right? So yeah, so, so we'd have them. Mm-hmm. And then randomly unannounced, uh, it'll say, oh, we've got a special guest. <laughs> and <laughs> Before the headliner. Yeah. And the special guest would be my favorite band of all time, The Clash. The but, Clash, yeah. But it wouldn't be The Clash. It would be The Clash, like in the ABBA concert, as holograms. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But the remaining members of the clash would be on stage looking at their holograms performing. Yeah, so it's a uh, yeah, so it's kind of uh, so the people in clash are watching the holograms not performing alongside of them. No, but they're on stage <laughs> yeah. along with Noel Ritchie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Wow, that holograph's real realistic. No, that's just a history teacher for the night before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, so yeah. What, why why do you choose to go for holograms of the Clash rather than bringing them back to life? Well, are they? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I feel like the Clash never get to watch the Clash. Yeah. Because they're always performing. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so you're doing it as a benefit to the Clash. As a, as a big thing to the Clash, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it would be it would be nice if 
you know, my favorite band got to, they're always performing. You know, it'd be nice for them to watch themselves performing. How sweet. That's that's very nice. Um, yeah. And um, so you along mentioned... with obviously Noel Ritchie and others, yeah, of course, who would also be on stage. And, yeah. and the fifteen other people at the festival who could afford exactly. it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And uh, so let's let's have a bit of a um, deep dive in the Clash. When did you first get into them, and why are they your favorite band? Well, I think it was uh, just as to be contrarian uh, to all the people that I went to school with, because I didn't know anything about the Clash because I was a kid growing up in India. <laughs> Uh, but everyone went on about Pink Floyd mm-hmm. and all those bands. And then Dave Matthews band was very popular. Yeah, yeah. And in America, people would listen to Fish. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I needed a band of my own, really, that nobody had heard of in India, just to be snobbish mm-hmm. um, and have something that... And then everyone's... And then people. some people like The Cure and some people like Radiohead. And I was like, oh, I, I just always felt like all this has been taken. Um, so where's my band? Mm-hmm. And then I started reading up about music and I realized that at every list, everywhere, anywhere in the world, the Clash's London Calling would always be like number one. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't from, you know, like everybody I assume growing up in this country has a memory of when they found their favorite music because it spoke to them or whatever. Yeah. I actively went looking for my favorite music yeah, uh, because it, it, I needed something where I could be like, oh, have you not heard of The Clash mm-hmm. at an Indian social event where people are like, no, what? What? Who is that? Mm-hmm. Is that John Denver under a different name? <laughs> so no, yeah. it's The Clash. The London Con-. So I was just looking for them and then I found and then I genuinely fell in love with the music. Mm-hmm. So um, then I found out that they have, you know, cult status here and all of that. But it's only, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know if they do have cult status or not, but I just, I just sort of, sort of, um, kind of, what's the word, treacherously kind of found them and mm-hmm. adopted them as like something I could listen to in India and be intellectually sort of niche, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was also growing up at a time where there was no Spotify, you know, like anyone could listen to anything now. And when I was listening to music, like the musicians' names that you knew, there was currency. Mm-hmm. You know, people be like, oh my God, I've never heard of this band. This person knows about this music or whatever. So a lot of their um, self-worth came from that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's such a great that's answer. such a TED Talky answer. No, no, to... but like that's, I think that's what we do here. You know, we, we, we like to kind of like uh, just double click. And I, I love the idea of that kind of, how it was linked to your identity because though we've been joking a lot about you know being you know not finding like right group or not saying the right things when it comes to things i think the reason why i i love why you you mentioned the clash is because they were your little sanctuary they were they they were your thing above anything else uh, and something that you could uniquely call yours and yeah though it was done for that specific reason you fell for them in an organic and congruent way do you know what i mean Exactly, yeah. And, and you know, I didn't, you know, know about Mick Jones. Or I didn't read much about it. It's just that I love the music. Mm-hmm. And it gave me sort of something to, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. To something to sort of, you know, be different from everybody else. And and not sort of go with the, with the horde. And, and yeah. kind of have my own taste in music, you know. And Clash then led me to, I don't know, a lot of those other bands those years. Sex Pistols, The Cure, 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I think there was that one song of the Cure, which was was it Pictures of You? That was yeah. I think the very first thing I wrote, even before I did stand up, I wrote. I used to write plays. The very first thing of mine that got produced, I was sitting in a really small room in India, listening to basically London Calling and mm-hmm. The Cure, like while writing. And so it sort of gave me, and I wasn't even in this country. I didn't understand the cultural uh, sort of you know, order in which these things should be appreciated or any of that. Yeah. I was just, it was just like, my only joy was knowing that nobody else was listening to these two bands. <laughs> Well, that yeah. Well, well. Thank you for opening up about that. And I mean, yeah, I really like that. It really, um, yeah. It was nice to hear a bit of that, um, that background. Who is the final act of your festival? Who is yeah? Who is the the headliner of the of the day? So basically, I think all the people will come back, right? That mm. have performed throughout the festival. We wouldn't let them go. So it would. St- <laughs> you still got the guns. Imprisoned. Yeah. yeah, we've got the guns, right? This is a Kedgeri Empire type festival. So, uh, you know, so we've kept, you know, Billie Eilish, George Ezra, they're all there. Clash, they're all there. Um, George Harrison is there. Billy Joel is there. Um, the Queen is there. The Elephant is there. And all of them are basically, they become background performers, <laughs> instrumentalists for Arjun Mukherjee. Sorry, Jojo Mukherjee. <laughs> <laughs> Who I can now say his, his first name was Arjun. His nickname was Jojo. But yeah. Jojo Mukherjee comes out and does the headline act. Wow. Uh, and, and and yes. Just, yeah. yeah. Very yeah. nice. So it all kind of comes together at the end. And, yes. And then at the very end, before he plays his final song, you go and then you're like, you're fired from my band. And then you do a guitar solo at the end. <laughs> exactly. 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 On my synthesizer. Yeah. <laughs> I do a guitar solo on my synthesizer. Uh, and, yeah. and and Jojo Mukherjee sings, I'm sorry, Anavab. That's a song he's written. <laughs> and, and that plays. It's a little self-indulgent. It's a, a lot of people might be like, what the hell? Is that is that George Harrison playing support guitar for Jojo Mukherjee? Yeah. But all that would happen for Jojo Mukherjee to do his final concert as a sort of like thing. And we might even like hug at the end. Um, yeah. And if I can get my vice principal uh, to come down, he'd... <laughs> He'd be attached to a drone and yeah. he would just come down from above and say he's dead now. But he'd be like, I always knew this would happen. And he would kind of disappear. Yeah. And then all these other bands that I like would just clap at this reconciliation. <laughs> I mean, let that me is... tell you, when I say other bands, I mean like yeah. The Clash yeah. <laughs> and, and um... the hologram of The Clash all clapping. Yeah, wow. yeah, me and Jojo reuniting. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, what what a... This is honestly one of the most wild festivals I've ever been to in my yeah. life. But <laughs> like, well, I I, uh, I think that is a lovely, albeit just, um, it is it is a bit like a fever dream throughout the whole thing. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> like, but I enjoy it. I think it's very good. Um, so with that in mind, let's head to the final part of the podcast and let us go and deal with some floor fillers. Fair enough, yeah.
So, as with event management, things are bound to go wrong. So here's a couple of hypothetical questions that Anna Vamp has to deal with in a manner that he sees fit. Right. By the way, Matt. Yes. Um, given the outline of the festival we've described, mm -hmm. there's more than a few things that might go wrong here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the least of which is bringing dead people back to life. Yeah. I, uh, I, that's all fine. But just like the other stuff that... <laughs> like just... Uh, yes. Yeah, like I would say... Um, just continue suspending that disbelief for five more minutes and yeah, we're, we're out of here. Yeah. Don't forget, throughout the concert on the second day, there's a history teacher in a chair yeah. <laughs> sitting there. There's a number of acts performed. So Yeah. So, like, uh, but, but let's put all that to one side. Let's yeah. not worry about it. Yeah. Uh, so, here's your first question. Oh, no. Um, Queen have cancelled last minute. Who do you get to replace Queen? Oh, man. Now, who can sit on an elephant? This is the problem. You know, not every great musician yeah. can sit on an elephant. Um, I've been saying that for years. I, this is the problem. I Oh, that's really good. So I can't get David Bowie because I feel like, you know, this this festival, you know, starting there with someone that great at 8 o'clock in the morning is a bit much, even for me. But you've already, um, you've already had Queen on at half eight. Yeah, you know I mean... <laughs> Exactly. On an elephant, no less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you're saying that they've cancelled, right? So we need to replace yeah. them. Um, okay, here's the thing. This would be, I think, a suitable replacement. Start with something light. Start with Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Start the day with All Guns right. N' Roses. You know, we jest. However, when Guns N' Roses came to Mumbai, right? Um, Axl Rose, my hero... I hadn't seen him my whole life. I see him in my late 30s. He comes to Mumbai. And the way, when we're not that used to concerts and we usually get great legends sort of who are past their prime. Mm -hmm. um, and they had uh, Axel Rose playing in the middle of a field. And um, I guess, you know, Axel Rose, most young people probably not know who he is. You know, it's probably funny to a lot of people. But he comes out. And what they've done is the way they've sold tickets, and maybe we can do this at Kedri as well. The first, I'd say, 100 rows have been sold to very high-end VIPs yeah. who are told that they can have dinner and watch Axl Rose. So in your concerts, you come out and you see thousands of screaming teenagers right next to a barricade <laughs> holding their hands up saying, my God, I'm seeing my Messiah, whatever. Yeah. Um, Axel Rose came out, and the first thing you saw were 500 Indian diners <laughs> in a VIP seating sitting around who are being served by waiters. And then the crowd was behind them. So his first question, fair enough, was, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a bit like a comedy show. Like Back in the early days when you start open mic, you kind of have to do pretty much any room which is not a suitable comedy venue. Do you know what I mean? Like It, it could be like a salad bar or something like that. And it yeah. feels, that feels like what's happening now, isn't it? Just kind of like, right, let's, let's put this, this restaurant in the, in the middle of this mosh pit. So That's exactly what it did. And then, I mean, this is Axel Rose. He said, I've seen a lot of things in my life. But I have not seen people having a three-course meal when I come out to perform, which yeah. is a fair point, which is a fair point. So uh, we'd have him starting the day, I think. Um, and he would be equally good on an elephant, I think. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think, uh, yeah, I think Axel would do great, great on, a, uh, on an elephant. Elephant, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, th so that's what would replace them. 
But do you want Queen there in the audience? Just no, can't? they're just cancelled. They're They've cancelled, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I, who'll blame them? I mean, you know. <laughs> um, so, um, oh dear, someone's running late for your festival and you need to fill for time. Fortunately, one of your favourite celebrities is willing to do a DJ set for you. Now, just to clarify, they don't need to be a DJ already, but which celebrity would you pick to do a DJ set for you at your festival? So I think it would be... Uh, uh, I don't think he's Sir... But I think it'd be Stephen Fry. <laughs> yes, mate. Yeah. yeah. And what he'd be DJing is basically bits of Test Match special commentary. <laughs> and so they'd be like Jonathan Agnew and Andy Zaltzman, and they'd be doing sort of bits of their commentary. Yeah. Oh, that's a four from Alistair Cook. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, And as backup, if that people are not enjoying that, we still have Snoop Dogg yeah. and Noel Ritchie who yeah. can fill in if, if it's not interesting. Of course, you have, uh, you've got no Richie to fall back on, of course. <laughs> always, uh, always. Um, one of your acts has forgotten their equipment, but good news, they can do an acoustic set. Which band out of your whole lineup would you choose to make uh, an acoustic set? Oh, The Clash, probably. Oh, that's cool, yeah. yeah. That'd be yeah. intimate. Yeah. See how I lose all sort of sense of the ridiculous when I'm talking about my favourite band? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 they can't do that. They'll, yeah. they'll sing proper songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and final question for you, Anabab. Um, your festival loves you, and they want you to sing one song at the festival. If you had to join any artist for one song, which song would you uh, go and sing? You mean apart from Jojo Mukherjee and me reuniting of course. to sing I Am Sorry, Anabab, <laughs> where I repeat my own name like Henry VIII? <laughs> yeah, other apart than that, that one, fine yeah. example, I would say. Yeah. Uh... Well, uh, the, the, if oh, we don't have the cure, um, well, I would love to join. Oh, wow! Am, am I am I the only one singing, or uh, yeah, you'd be the only one singing. But you have a backing band. Wow! So if the Clash don't sing, Rudy can't fail. Then I'd love to sing that song. Right, fantastic! There we go, and it'll be acoustic, so it'll be nice and chill. So yeah, 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 exactly. It'd be lovely. No and... guitars would be broken. <laughs> and that is the end of uh, Floor Fillers. And that's the end of the podcast. Annabelle, have you had a nice time? I, I've had a delightful time. And, you know, it's and any podcast that can bring Jojo Mukherjee and me closer after a <laughs> musical incident. Um, I, I forgot to tell you that, that one of the last, last things we could do at the end of the festival is... You know, Jojo Mukherjee could mm-hmm. actually catch fire and be electrocuted. So, <laughs> so all those all, myths. Yeah, all the rumors come true. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. gets sent to the Himalayas and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, all those things yeah. he could have done. Yeah. Sure. Why, you know what, Anavab, why not at this point? <laughs> yeah, at, this <laughs> point. at this point, yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for uh, for being a guest, uh, Anavab. It's been great having you. Where can people find you online and uh, anything you'd like to plug? Oh, that's very sweet. Um, they can find me at Anavapal on Twitter. I have an Amazon special. Uh, it's under Soho Theatre Live Season 3 on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. where um, slightly less ridiculous things get discussed, which is sad <laughs> because that's a stand-up show. Yeah. <laughs> and that's less ridiculous than my 
lineup for Kedgeri. But yeah, there you go. Well, thank you so much, and uh, thank you, listener, for uh, for listening today. It's been an absolute joy. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed it as much as I have. And if you would like to help support the podcast, you can um, give us a five star rating on Apple or Spotify podcasts. Please do. If you want to write your little review, that definitely helps. And uh, yeah, tell your friends about it as well. That's some two free ways to help support the podcast. If you want some bonus content, why don't you join our Patreon? Um, there's lots of great weekly podcasts going out for as little as £5 a month. So if you want to hear that kind of stuff, please make sure to listen to that. But please join me in saying a massive thank you to our wonderful guest, Anna Pal. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you.